What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma. Sitting way more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Last time we did it, someone got exposed to the Rona. But at this time, just because of some unforeseen circumstances, we had to be separated. But we have to come together to give you guys this wonderful audio that you guys crave and love, of course. So, Dominic, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Brandon. I am currently, uh, you know, relaxing. You know, I have the, you know, script right in front of me. So I think today will be a, uh, one would say, glorious day or episode. We have a jam-packed episode for y'all today. Dominic had some homework. He actually completed his homework, and he also has a pop quiz. If you guys listened to last week's episode, you'll know exactly what that pop quiz is. Well, it's not exactly a pop quiz because usually a pop quiz is something that you don't really have to study for. It just kind of comes upon you. But Dominic had a week to study for that, and we're going to see how he does. But first, we're going to talk some NFL news. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, has signed a new six-year deal. He was due to be the head coach of the Niners for three more years after this, but he now has a six-year deal that will expire uh, 2025. So coming off of the loss of the Super Bowl, really the first successful year of the 49ers, they are showing their commitment long-term for Kyle Shanahan, something they didn't do for Harbaugh. But Dominic, your thoughts on giving Shanahan this extension so quickly after the Super Bowl? I mean, I think that's one thing that the their GM, I can't remember, I'm, I'm blanking on the name here. but John Lynch. John Lynch, that's his name, um, said that, you know, getting together and and seeing how he ran the team like it was very inspiring and um you know they're 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 going oh mascot shut up um they're going forward with um with him hang on i'll continue on let me shut the dog up well as dominic goes to shut the dog up i'll talk about kyle shanahan I like the move. It might be a little bit premature. Yes, he had three more years left on his deal. So you could have maybe given him one more year just to figure out if this year was a fluke season or if last year was a fluke season or not. But obviously, coming off of the Super Bowl, that's always a tough season for teams to bounce back from. This season in general for all 32 teams is going to be difficult to deal with with the pandemic. So who knows exactly if Shanahan will last out this entire six-year deal. But I think that the 49ers definitely want to show solidarity and be show that, you know, we're going to, I think they're going to re-sign John Lynch and give him an extension as well. So really put those two guys in the head of the Niners organization to show stability and to maybe bring in some other free agents and to really build it and bring it back to the, you know, the legendary status that the 49ers used to be back in the 90s. So why why do you think they were so I mean I mean I know we just touched upon it but you know Harbaugh you know got them to the playoffs got them to the Super Bowl lost everything but I mean 
you know, they're, they're so quick to give Shanahan six year. Why, why do you think it didn't work out for uh, Harbaugh so, so fast? Well, Harbaugh kind of has a reputation for burning hot and quick. He only was with the Stanford Cardinal for a little bit. He, his time at Michigan might be running out quickly. I know Kyle Shanahan, I, we've talked about this in the past that head coaches, good head coaches come few and far between. And Kyle Shanahan, yes, he's only had real one successful season as a head coach, but that season was pretty damn successful. He also has some success in under uh, being offensive coordinator. So I, I think it's just they're locking him in because maybe they gel well. I don't know the, the personality behind it, how, how he gels with the ownership and the GMs and everything like that behind closed doors. But I would say that since he's such a young head coach, he's shown promise. He's done the work. He's gotten the team to the Super Bowl. Yes, you want to take that next step and win the Super Bowl. But I think it's really hard to get much better than Kyle Shanahan at this point with you know, I mean, who who else is really better than Kyle Shanahan that you think you could sign? It's it's. I mean, all those great head coaches are locked up and probably not going to go anywhere. That, that's true. And the other thing you you got to, you know, accompany the the great success that he had last year was injuries. I don't think the 49ers had a real key injury last year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Dominic, that was so long ago. But speaking of 49er injuries, we got an injury that they're going to have to deal with this season. Debo Samuel a late up-and-coming wide receiver that really helped them at the tail end of the season has a broken foot, so he will be out for the foreseeable future. Two months, I think, is kind of the earliest prognostication of how long he'll be out for, and obviously with the broken foot, you can't do much athletically, training-wise. He can't, I mean, all you can really do is just do some upper body stuff. You can't run. You can't do sprints and agility stuff. So, yes, he... he his foot may only be broken for two months, but he might be out even longer just to rehab and gain the strength and gain the skill set back. So th- hopefully this means he shouldn't miss any time of games, but a broken foot has always kind of been a nagging injury. We've seen with AJ Green. Yes, it was like a turf toe type of injury, but th- the foot is kind of a tricky situation, especially with wide receivers, that if your feet ain't right, then maybe it, it can just kind of hinder you and it can cost you possibly your entire career. Well, I, I, in my opinion, I think he's – I'm not going to say he's lucky to break it now because that sounds bad, but, I mean, luckily, you know, he broke it – he did break it now. Um, I, If he would have broken this, you know, any time after, you know, I would say middle July, I think he would have been literally screwed. Um, does this hurt the chances of the 49ers doing anything good? No, I, I think, you know – they still have time to sign up um, any eligible receivers, maybe some rookies that haven't been uh, drafted or anything crazy like that. But I mean, I, I don't think this will hurt the Niners' chances, and I don't. I, I think he'll bounce back just fine. Now, do you go and resign, or not resign, but try to sign a wide receiver to replace him, possibly one Antonio Brown? Oh, uh, I. I don't, I mean, as much as I have hard feelings towards AB, um, I don't think the Niners will sign him. I feel like uh, um, just like everyone else, they're kind of like, we're not going to take that risk. But then again, I mean, there's been random people being signed. Lovely audio quality. You can only get here 
at Curveballs and Share Shots. Moving on, continuing. Oh, don't worry. I'm fucking locking the door now. Continuing on with some more NFL news. The 49ers might make a move to upgrade their secondary because star Jets safety Jamal Adams has requested a trade. And some of the teams that are on the uh, wish list that maybe could trade for him is the Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Seahawks. Who obviously all of these teams play of playoff caliber teams, high end teams. Dominic, your thoughts on Adams wanting out of New York. Obviously they're not going to be doing much this season. And what do you think is a good landing spot for him? A lot of memes about the Cowboys and not signing Dak Prescott, but they'll trade half of their roster to get Jamal Adams. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't blame him wanting out of New York. Um, for, for, for some really stupid odd reason, I feel like the Jets are like my sleeper team this season. I feel like for some odd reason, they're just going to come out of the gate firing. But then again, I've been wrong. You I mean, also did pick the Cleveland Browns to make it to the Super Bowl two years ago to face the 49ers. You're just a season off on that one. Yeah, I mean, probably. Um, but, I mean, I, I, you know, if it was me, I I, I kind of do see the Cowboys. Um, I do see Baltimore. Um, hell, I even do see the 49ers. Um, I, I don't know where I think he'll land, um, but I do see one of those three teams probably mending him. I mean, there's. it all depends on what the Jets want to get out of it. Is there a team that will give the Jets more? Maybe Jamal Adams doesn't want to go there. I don't exactly know the terms of his contract. If he has a no trade, I would assume that he's just letting the Jets know that he wants out, and the Jets are going to look and see what they can get. At, as looking at the list of teams that I named off, I mean, all of them, could use help. I mean, Jamal Adams, arguably one of the best safeties in the league. So that's definitely an upgrade. I think if the Chiefs get him, that secondary was, it was good. I think maybe a little bit underrated. So I think if you add Jamal Adams to that, wonderful team. Definitely they could uh, repeat as Super Bowl champions. But continuing on with the NFL talk, we got some hard knocks news and we got the announcement of where hard knocks will be filmed at and it'll be filmed in L.A. Both the Rams and the Chargers will be the focus of the Hard Knocks documentary television series show, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, the L.A. teams are opening up a new stadium. People thought maybe this could have been the spot where the Raiders were going to be the focal point, but they were there last season. Dominic, your thoughts? What do you, Anything in particular you're looking for from Hard Knocks? Both of these teams, the Rams trying to bounce back, the Chargers, kind of one of those sleeper teams that could make some moves this season. Um, I, I, nothing's really clicking into my head. I mean, um, I would like to see, you know, uh, if it was me, I'd like to see more of the Chargers. I mean, not the Chargers, more of the Rams over the Chargers, just because I feel like the Rams have more promise. But then again, you know, like every year the Chargers seem to kind of, you know, wiggle. I mean, maybe except for last year, but they usually wiggle around the wild card. Um, so uh, we'll wait and see. Unfortunately, I don't have HBO anymore. I had to downgrade. I'm a cord cutter, kind of. Not really, but uh, Hard Knocks was definitely one of those things that I enjoyed. I didn't like Hard Knocks last year. I thought it was kind of crappy. With uh, Dominic, what is the head coach's name of the John, Raiders? John Gruden? There we go. John, See, Dominic, this is why you're here. You're such oh. a smart 
football person. But anyways, I kind of had a feeling that that locker room, that coaching staff wasn't going to really allow the in-depth look that some of the other coaches and the other teams had. But you never know. The LA Rams have already been uh, on Hard Knocks, I think a few years ago when they first came to LA. So something we've already seen before was an okay season. But moving on, we got... Well, gonna... I mean, I like to throw curveballs too, Brandon. You know, um, it's a, it's actually Mr. X's one of Mr. One of many Mr. X's questions. Are you are you are, are you, you going to hit him with the jingle, or is that later? That's later. Because you know, I you know, reading reading the email, you know, I feel like this is just one of the you know smaller questions. So you know, I'll get I'll I'll hit the jingle in a little bit. But first, he just wants to know what can we expect from upcoming NFL season during this pandemic concerning there will be a season brandon i mean i mean we're certain that there's gonna be an nfl season right i'm not like a hundred percent certain that it's gonna happen obviously the plans are in place for it to happen now this the nfl seems like it's the hardest league to corral and stop an outbreak from happening i'm not trying to sound like you know the world is any or anything like that but football has the largest amount of roster you have 60 players, give or take, plus all the coaching staff and everybody else that's surrounding it. So let's just cap it off at like 100 people per team. So 32 teams, that's 32, 33,200. See, Dominic, I can do math. You, you could just say 3,200. I would have understood 30, that. 3,200, okay. whatever. Yeah. But anyways, there's a lot of people that you got to kind of keep track of. And with the football with football itself it's one of the most or if not the most out of the popular sports kind of contact really close sports and if somebody tests positive who knows how many players actually have been were interacting it's hard to really trace all that stuff so i mean do you think football is more you're more likely to get it during a football game than during a basketball game because basketball games i mean you don't have a mask you don't have the, the pad so to speak you have literally just your body Yes, so, I mean, you, you I, are, you know, up against someone's body and kind of touching them and getting sweat and other liquids on each other. But that's 12 people per team or whatever. There's 11 players on each side every single play. So it, it's not exactly the fact of the risk reward, the risk in terms of every single play. It's just how many people are on the field at every single point of the game. It's just okay, there's more people. Yeah, I mean... I was just thinking, you know, sweat and all, you know, you're, you're touching the ball and then, you know, you know, ball goes out of bounds, a fan touches it, you know, like, you know. But there's not going to be any fans, so that's not going to happen. Okay, you're right. Never mind. Let's move on to another basketball league. Yes, because last week we had such great success with the segment coin sports. We don't normally talk about what we're going to talk about it quickly, and Dominic's going to give us great insight because he knows everything about sports. So last week we talked about the WNBA and they had their proposal to pay all the players their exact pro 100% prorated salary unlike the MLB which we will talk about in a little bit but news has come out that the WNBA will play this season it should have been underway already the NBA finals should be underway or maybe even ending at this point but the WNBA will play 22 games so obviously very very short the shortest season ever the original season, I think, was maybe in the realm of like 30 games, but the WNBA will come back probably in the same vein as the NBA later in July, a bubble situation. Dominic, your thoughts? 
you know, um, first of all, you know, I know we said that last week, kudos to them, you know, understanding that, you know, during this time, you can't, you know, make the players, you know, suffer for it, given that they're pro in salary. You do know. Um, but then again, I feel like 22 games is a little low. I mean, you could have, I would have rounded it up to like at least 30, you know, give everybody a, you know, a chance. Yeah, I think it's more of the money reason, just like the MLB. I think obviously the players, the WNBA players, don't have as much leverage and power as the MLB does. They're not making as much money. So they, they the owners, I think, can get away with a lot more. And 22 games, obviously, it's kind of a joke of a season. 22 games, you can't, I mean, you're playing everybody like what, two or three times at the most. So you can't really see who's going to win. But I think. The playoffs will be a little bit expanded. They'll switch it up a little bit more. So hopefully they can figure that out. But speaking of baseball, Dominic's homework, which he did do. It wasn't looking so hot a couple days ago, but he surprised me that he actually did watch the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Long Gone Summer, the chronicles of the 1998 home run race featuring Sammy Sosa and Miguel, not Miguel, (laughs) Mark Mark McGuire, buddy. McGuire. And a two-hour documentary. Dominic, your your initial thoughts on the documentary, since you did just watch it today. I mean, that's why I watched it today, so I can give you such a in-depth analysis. Um, I mean, I mean, do we? I don't even remember um, the last time I actually sat down and watched one of these. So, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna take me a minute to really explain everything, or at least give you the analysis that you crave but going off first uh never knew that uh um actually let me let me hit you with the question real quick brandon i'm sorry i'm sorry let me hit you with the question what what would it what upsets you more about this whole um steroid era is it the fact that they um a lot of people do not give credit to mcguire and sosa or is it the fact that um, they uh, openly admitted it, and yet they don't. They still don't want to kind of, you know, talk about it. Well, Sammy Sosa never admitted to using steroids. He is. I mean, that's the reason. The main reason why he's not with the Chicago Cubs organization is because he doesn't admit. He, his fallback is, I never tested positive. No, nothing. You know, I have been clean. No one said anything. There's no legal documents to really prove anything. So. If you can't prove it, then I didn't do anything. But with the whole steroid situation, Mark McGuire being one of my favorite players growing up, you know, I have a soft spot for him, but I definitely understand why people are like, you can't have these guys in the Hall of Fame. I would understand they have a little section dedicated in the Baseball Hall of Fame to the steroid era, and that's really the only place you'll see Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. But the whole steroid situation, as they said in the documentary, it's murky. Who knows how many people were using it? Obviously, you got Mark McGuire who comes out with it. Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, question A-Rod. There's a lot of superstars that we know did steroids, but how many of the pitchers, how many of these lower-level guys do we know? It's just you got thousands of players over the 15, 20 years maybe of steroid use, and it's just hard to really value and kind of determine who's who's great and who was using steroids and that boosting them up. Ken Griffey Jr. in the middle of the steroid era is beloved 
and no real trace of him ever taking steroids. Obviously, his body type wouldn't suggest that he took steroids, but you never know. Um, with that being said, if you were a commissioner, would you, well, granted Bonds, you know, surpassed McGuire, um, but at that time, if you were a commissioner, would you have, you know, you know, without any questions, would you have said, you know what, McGuire is the home run champion or whatever, or would you have been like, no, asterisk because of his performance enhancing drugs? Well, at the time, it was all celebrated, and everyone said he's the home run king. Okay, and now, and what about now? What would you say? Obviously, there might have been some shenanigans going on, and if Mark McGuire, since Mark McGuire said it, then obviously he did it. Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, two guys who are definitely suspected of doing it, never really outright came forward and said that they've done it. But let's actually get back to the documentary itself. And one of the problems I had with the documentary itself was the steroid talk and lack thereof. The documentary itself is two hours long. They don't really delve deep into the steroid. Well, they never really dive deep into it. But the steroid talk, they bring up the fact that Andro, which is a supplement kind of over-the-counter steroid, was found in Mark McGuire's locker during the season. That comes up. And the media and stuff kind of blow it off and be like, oh, we never really knew what exactly it was. They're just hardworking guys and stuff like that. But being as we are also a wrestling podcast, that steroids have been running rampant in wrestling and bodybuilding for maybe dating back to the late 70s. And Vince McMahon had the steroid trial in the mid-90s, so before this even was a thing. So obviously steroids was known to be a thing in the world in the mid to late 90s. But yet you have the people saying, you know, we didn't know it wasn't that big of a deal at the time. We thought that they were just large in life figures, which they were. But then out of a two hour documentary, you, you don't talk about steroids at all until the very end for like 15 minutes, which I thought that was kind of the elephant in the room. If you kind of address it early and kind of like do the retrospective, like, oh, this is where we are now. Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire testifying at Congress. Then you work your way back. I think that maybe been a little bit more transparent on what they were trying to do. I mean, I also, I feel like um, it was, in my opinion, it wasn't meant to document steroids. I felt like it was to document that whole, that whole year. You had Mark McGuire who was, uh, destined to break the record you had you know it was hit, supposed to be him and Griffey and then all of a sudden Sammy Sosa comes out of nowhere and just starts making wave after wave after wave of home runs and one would say he was dropping dick <laughs> yes yes he was dropping mega dick um, but uh, you know I, I think the documentary was more for um, the race not 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 for the steroids granted it was that was the turning point of okay steroids need to be looked upon as uh you know they need to be deemed illegal and whatnot but i i feel like it was just more to showcase that whole year for mark and sammy not necessarily trying to be like hey look they took steroids now let's look back at what they you know because to me if they were to look back on it and be like this is what steroids did for these two it'd be kind of my opinion kind of glorifying being like, look, they hit, you know, he hit 70 home, 70 plus home runs. Fuck yeah, steroids are amazing. You know, Mark comes out and says, you know, he he regrets it and he still pays for it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think 
it went over fine. I, I do agree with you a little bit, you know, maybe could shed a little more light on it, but um, I mean, I, I think it was fine. Mark McGuire, definitely more uh, forthcoming with his steroid use, mainly because he wanted to get back into the world of baseball. And the only way he could really be accepted into it is if he admitted to the steroid use, but I, I kind of understand why they did it. I listened to an interview with the director, the producer, and he, he talked about how he didn't want, obviously, the steroids isn't a big issue. It's, you know, the main story of what people think about today. But he kind of wanted to go back in time and be like, look, at, the, at, at this time in, the, in 98, this, you know, this was the, one of the biggest stories of all time, especially during that time. But my, the other thing is, uh, this wasn't really a story about the race. It was more a story about Mark McGuire. And then Sammy Sosa is just kind of in there a little bit. That was awesome. I, mean, I wish they told Sammy's story a little bit better. I mean, true. Um, also, I feel like with, um, you know, it, it was one of the, it was probably the biggest thing after the strike and everything too. So that, I mean, that's probably another reason why it was such an important thing. And that's why they didn't want to focus so much on the steroids, but um I mean, I, I do kind of wish they would have gave Sammy Sammy more light. Um, you know, I I don't. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make the bad joke. Um, I just wish that they could have. Uh, you know, you know, you could have mentioned Sammy a little more. Um, I do want to see. This is just me being selfish. I do want to see the cork bat incident though on a thirty for thirty or something like that. Well, if you would, I would throw to, or I would suggest you go and watch the Sammy Sosa E60 one-hour special that he did a few years back. And that, if you pair that with the 30 for 30, I think it definitely tells the story maybe a little bit better because you get a lot more of Sammy's perspective. And Sammy still wouldn't say anything about steroids when uh, Jeremy Schaff brings up the issue of steroids. He pretty much, you know, denies it and says i never tested for it so obviously i didn't do it they never caught me so i didn't do it and he just kind of stops the interview there so you're not going to get anything from the steroid side of things but you're definitely going to get more of a perspective on sammy sosa and his life and career and i just feel like they kind of downplayed how great sammy actually is like yes he wasn't hitting 60 home runs the year before but he was still he was hitting like i think in the 30s and he was a, a pretty damn good player I mean, maybe he wasn't the best in the league, but he definitely was one of those guys who ever since the late 80s when he signed with the Rangers was a guy that people were looking at as like, oh, this this kid can be something special. Yeah, and I mean, shit, he won the National League MVP that year in 98 too. So, I mean, it... it and they went to the playoffs when the Cardinals were yeah, like 500. Exactly. You can't take that away from him. Um, a question, the, a statement that I made to the studio audience when we're watching it and something, a question I'm going to ask you is, what are you? What would you be more upset about if, you know, okay, Brandon, um, I, I'm going to throw it out there. Bryce Harper is your favorite baseball player in currently, right? Sure. I, I mean, okay, Brandon. I have no favorites. Favorite? I have no favorites, Dominic. I am an objective journalist. Okay, so let's say just for poops and giggles, your favorite baseball player. Let's 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 name him. Let's let's name him Dominic Hobson. How about that? Um, now we're talking. You know, I'm such a great player. Um, what would you be more? What would you be more upset about or disappointed in? A, I tested positive steroids, or two, I had a cork bat. It's definitely the steroids. 
Sammy, he, he did talk about the cork bat incident, which I don't know, obviously, what he was thinking at the time. But he said that that was like a practice bat, a bat you just kind of take to BP and fuck around with. And he just happened to accidentally grab that bat. Now, who knows how, if he used it other times? We'll never know. This is what Sammy said. I've never really heard any of the other players come out and talk about the cork bat incident. But obviously, the steroids is a much bigger deal. So if the cork bat was, you know, let, let's say he was using it during the 98 season, um, you know, where steroids were, you know, not necessarily looked down upon just at that moment in time yet, would you still be as disappointed in someone testing positive for steroids or using the, the cork bat? Dominic, steroids are bad. Don't do steroids, kids. So I don't know why I keep asking the same question. Because in my opinion, I'm a little pissed off about the cork bat than the steroids. Well, you're the one that keeps asking the question, Dominic. Why don't you answer the question? I just feel like, you know, at that time, how Mark was saying that and he was being told it helps through injuries. You know, okay, I'm taking it. No one's saying anything. No one's testing me for it. Okay, it's fine. So if no one's saying don't use it, I'm going to keep using it. But you have someone who is, you know, rigging up their bat to, you know, not necessarily make them hit home runs, but to make contact more, you know, more efficiently. I find that a little more uh, repulsive, a little more, uh, you know, disrespectful to the game. I think both of the issues definitely are bad, but I think steroids were rampant during that time. As I said, how many people actually used it? We'll probably never know. But overall, I think I was I was pretty disappointed in the 30 for 30. It was kind of like a YouTube highlight clip of if I wanted to see all 70 home runs of Mark McGuire, I could have just done it on YouTube instead of wasting two hours watching all of them kind of spread out and then get some insight from Mark, get really no insight from Sammy. And the producer, the, the guy who directed the thing, said that, he talked to both of these guys for like two days and has like hours of content. And I, I felt as though you could have used a lot more of it, especially from Sammy's point of view, maybe tell Sammy's background in the Dominican a little bit better, kind of flesh that out. And then maybe even talk about how big of a star Sammy was like coming off of Michael Jordan and the second three Pete and he's retiring. And then now Sammy is kind of the new guy. I mean, in the interview, I, he talked about, that like Sammy was maybe even more popular than Michael Jordan at that time because of how big of a deal this home run chase was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they right when they started talking about the coming, wanting them to come clean and everything, didn't they say like, Sammy, is this, we want to take this time to give you the opportunity to come clean. Didn't they even give him the chance to say anything? They asked him. I mean, they, the, the Cubs have consistently said, we're not going to welcome back Sammy unless he admits to taking steroids. And as I said, Sammy keeps falling back on, he never tested positive. So obviously he never took them, but he'll, he'll never say I never did it, which is kind of the thing. Well, I think he'll say he, he won't say he never did it, but then when he says like, Oh, I never tested positive. then that's kind of sounds shady. Is Sammy Sosa in your opinion, Hall of Fame material. material. Now, when it comes to steroids and all the other stuff, I've kind of, kind of been on the opinion that I would put Mark, or not Mark McGuire, I would put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame, just because even with the steroids, 
before they maybe took steroids, they were a Hall of Fame talent. And even with the steroids, they were a legendary greatest of all time player. Now, Mark McGuire, how much of the steroids really was a thing? You know, he was saying like, oh, I was always a home run hitter. I just was a pitcher at the time. How, I mean, how much could we really attribute his success to the steroids? Because I feel as though Mark I mean, Sammy's look, look success when he played with much- the Oakland Athletics. I mean, his rookie year, I mean, he held the most home runs for a rookie for like, what, 30 years? I mean, he, he was, I think, a, no, I'm not going to say a key player for the World Series A's, but I mean. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure Mark McGuire was a key player in the 89 Oakland A's wins. I'm not saying super key, though. Like maybe like a baby key. Okay, then who was the number one key then, since you're such a big A's fan now? Jose Canseco. Exactly. So I think we've talked enough of the 30 for 30. Let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, the MLB update. Now, of course, we talk about everything that was going on last week, and then the players said that they were just going to cut off all negotiations. On Monday, the players kind of revolted and talked about, just tell us when and where we're going to play. And then we get Tony Clark, the MLB PA head honcho, talking to Rob Manfred. They have a talk. And now the two teams have kind of lowered their, you know, they're coming a little bit closer on the agreement. So maybe next week, possibly we could have a deal in place right now. The players still want full pro prorated. They want 70 games. I think the owners want about 60 games. So maybe they're going to meet in the middle on that. There's also some other financial things, expanded playoff, moving that to 16 games, universal DH, the po- the possibility of a quarantine bubble situation, which ha- has kind of come to light because on Monday there was leaked to the media that multiple players have tested positive for COVID. And just in the last day or two, the Phillies and the Blue Jays, I believe, definitely the Phillies have had to shut down their training facility in Florida because some staff members and some players have tested positive for COVID. So it's been a week of kind of more of the same, but it's also been a pretty hefty news week in terms of Major League Baseball? I mean, this is something that I feel is expected because of all the traveling that, you know, MLB players do. Um, I'm just kind of curious of, you know, how you just said, you know, hopefully they'll meet in the middle. I don't think think both sides will budge on meeting in the middle. It's either going to be 70 or 60. Somebody's going to win that battle. I thought you were going to say a little more than that. You just kind of abruptly stopped. Well, I mean, because I'm trying to read the next question from Mr. X, because I, I think I'm going to change the jingle to like Mr. X's questions of the week. You know, not question of the week. It's questions of the week. You know, never just one, because there's so many topics we cover. He has so many questions. He needs, you know, he, you know, he needs the answers that we can give him. Then Dominic, hit me with Mr. X's questions before we get into your test. Basically, should we just scrap it and just start picking our favorite Korean teams? Brandon, have you even been watching Korean baseball? Well, I have watched a little bit. I watched the very first day, and I think it's Wednesdays or Tuesday nights. They have kind of the earlier games. So here on the West Coast, the game starts at about 11. So I'll catch an inning or two, but I am... I think one, I have a, not a few, but I, I have like some 
teams that I like. I know the LG Twins. I believe they have Matt Williams as their manager. And then the Giants, they also have, I, I want to say Dan Straley, but I'm not exactly sure on that. They have an, a former Oakland A's pitcher, so he is someone I'm rooting for. But it's really hard for me as an athletics fan to root for a Giant team, even though they're halfway across the world in Korea. I mean, you know, this, just send Dallas over there because, you know, they need them. And also the Japanese Baseball League starting today. So maybe we're going to start watching some Japanese baseball teams. That should be exciting. Maybe, maybe. Okay. You ready to quiz me now? I am ready to quiz you, Dominic. So last week, Dominic was talking all this hot shit that he can name UFC people. So I have conducted a list of 10 names, and all of these names are pretty well-known. All of them are either champions or in at least the top 10. We only have one number eight fighter. The rest, I think, are all kind of in the top five situation. So Dominic has the list in front of him. We're going to work our way down. Some of them have two names on a list, so Dominic, don't switch over on those. So we're going to start off at the top of the list. We have the feather the men's featherweight champion, Dominic. What is his name? <laughs> so, um, hang on. Okay, it's Alexander. And his last name. Oh, um, okay, hang on. It's, uh, can't, am I allowed to like sound it out or do I have to just go full-fledged, just, you know, send it? You have about like a, a five to ten second testing out, feeling out process. It's like Volcan. So I'm going to say it's like Vol, Volkan Volsky. Say it all in full so I can get your final answer. Volkan Volsky. Close, but no cigar. We're looking for Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky. I would, uh, that was pretty close, I think. You, you were close, so maybe I'll give you a half a point. But for right now, we'll give you a zero. Then we got the lightweight champion, a well-known name. So hope I know it's a really tough name. Not a lot of people might get this one. But Dominic, what is his name? I, I always fuck up the first name for sure because you know, I'm just trying to be funny, but it's Habib Nurmagomedov. I will give you a point on that if you would like to say it one more time just to be clear. Isn't it Habib Nurmagomedov? Good job, Dominique. You get Woo! one point on that one. <laughs> and then he will be fighting him very shortly. Who is the number one contender for that lightweight championship? I remember it. I was saying it in my head. It's Justin Gaethje. Ooh, look at you. You are on fire. You got the lightweight division on lock. Then we're going to move on to the welterweight champion, Dominic. What is this man's name? Oh, God. Karmu Usman? Carmen Usman. Carmen, no. You were kind of close on that first guess. You definitely missed on the second guess. We're looking for Kamaru Usman. Usman. So you're, you're two, for, two for three right now, or two for four. It's 50%. Okay, not the best in the world, but then... Still failing, still failing. You know, as long as you get a D, get that, get that partial credit, you'll take it. Then we're going to move a little bit down in the welterweight rankings. What is this man? What is Michael's name, Dominic? What is his last name? Chessa? Close. It is Chiesa. Half a point? No, not even close. Oh, come on. So we, we talked about this man last week. He is the heavyweight champion. He will be taking on Daniel Cormier. Thinking about putting Cormier's name on the list, but I thought that might have been a little bit too easy. Stipe Miocic. 
There we go, Dominic. You got an easy one. I gave you that one. I thought you can get it. So then, and I did. Who is the number two contender to the heavyweight championship? Uh, Jesus, uh, Francis Nagua. You got the first name right. His name is Francis, but his last name is Nganu. Oh, so close. No cigar. Then, well, not the first fight you've ever seen, but definitely in your newfound UFC fandom, you saw her turn into Megamind. What is this fighter's <laughs> name, Dominic? Okay, first off, how the f- like I understand like you're like it's from a foreign country and everything, but like nobody needs a fucking ZK, two J's and R as uh, another Z. Like, come on, um, it's Joanna or Joanna. I don't know, but you know, I say Joanna Jed or Zen Jetski. That was maybe by far the worst one you've said thus far. We were looking for Joanna Yunjacek. Joanna Jacek? What the fuck? Her name is that? Yun. No, I'm not. No, I'm not doing no, that. No, no, no. We're, we're sounding. We're sounding out, Dominic, because that was very, very bad. Yun. Okay. Yun. J. J. Check. Check. Yun J check. Yun J check. Check. Where do you get young from? It's the J E D. I don't know. I don't. I don't speak Polish. That's just how oh it sounds. Goodness. But anyways, whatever. We're gonna go with an American fighter here. I dropped her name on the podcast last week. Let's see if Dominic remembers. How do you say Rose's last name, Dominic? Mamajama. No, I'm joking. Um, Yaman Yunus. You added a little. Na, uh, na, Nama Yunus. Na, there Nama you Yunus. go. Nama Yunus. Rose Nama Yunus. Good job, former champion in her own right. Then, finally, the 10th person. You are four for nine right now, Dominic. So, to get a perfect 50%, with, well, you know what? I'll give you the half a point on Volkanovsky. So, you're at four and a half. You're possibly going to get that D you've been looking for to get that, that credit. What is the women's flyweight champion's name? Valentina Shevchenko. You're really close. I'll give you another shot at it. Valentina Shevchenko. There we go. Dominic with the 6.5. A good old 65%. A solid D. Dominic. I love getting the D. Dominic does not get. He's not making on a roll, but damn it, he's moving on, and he's going to get that three-point credit. Congratulations, Dominic. I mean, I feel like I should could have got like a C-minus because, you know, I wasn't too off on, on Michael. I mean, Ch- Chiesa, I, I, you know what? I'll give you a 68. How about that? I'm not giving you the C because some of the other ones were really bad. Some of those okay. you should have maybe got negative points on. I'll take the D plus. That's fine with me. So is there any questions from Mr. X? We are going to get into some serious topics in the world of pro wrestling. So would you like to uh, get, get his questions out of the way first, or would you like to maybe uh, talk about the stuff that's been going on in the world of pro wrestling thus far? Well, I mean, let, let, we, let, let, let's, let's, let's get to his question real quick with Mr. X's questions of the week. Uh, basically, uh, let's see. We have, it's pretty much the we let's see we covered that we go yeah so this is pretty much the last question um you want me to read it verbatim or do you want me to just just i mean there's there's a curse word in it. i don't know 
Are we a cussing podcast? Last time I checked, we are a fucking cussing podcast. Hell fucking yeah. So he says, and I quote, lastly, what the fuck is going on in the British wrestling scene? These accusations coming out and the names associated with them are crazy and sad to hear about. How long until accusations like this spread to wrestling scenes spread around the world? Well, the hashtag speaking out was something that really caught on fire yesterday. And it it started with the British wrestling scene and it slowly has kind of made its way across the pond here in the United States. We're not going to go over every single allegation, but if you would like to, they definitely are out there on Twitter and it's just disgusting to see what's been alleged and what's going on at this point. I'm going to be the person, I will believe all of the victims and what they're saying until proven otherwise. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to take it step by step and sort of the other people, you know, all the big names of all, that's kind of the ones we're going to tackle. But uh, some late breaking news, we got Jack Gallagher, who was one of the people who was accused. I have read the story and it's terrible, if true, and it seems as though it is true, that he has been released from WWE. No luck on his future endeavors. But uh, Dominic, your thoughts on just kind of overall of what's been going down with the hashtag speaking out. Well, I mean, I didn't know much about it. Um, I remember texting you and being like, so happy that I was like, yeah, I watched the the 30 for 30. Yeah. And you're like, I go, go look up, speak up, uh, speaking out. I'm like, what? And then I look it up. I'm like, holy shit. Like, where have I been the past 24 hours? This is just, I mean, monumentally, like, horrible. Um, you know, I, I read into uh, some of the Devlin, Jordan Devlin and some of the Matt Riddle, um, some of the David Starr stuff. Um, I, did, I didn't know really what happened with Will Ospreay or Jack Gallagher. So, I mean, this, you might need to, to talk about those guys because I don't know much about it. But, I mean, I, I, I stand with you 100% that, until proven otherwise, I you know these people need to be reprimanded or I mean shit. Some of them should even be arrested, in my opinion, or if all of them should be arrested. So the Jeff, uh, Jeff, the Jack Gallagher situation is much more of a straightforward sexual abuse allegation. The Will Osprey one, at least out of what I have seen, is more of him kind of covering up or at least kind of helping out somebody who's been accused multiple times. And the Matt Riddle situation, that's another one that he was uh, accused. He has kind of come out and was DMing with a media personality and said that this is false. He's talked to WWE about it. They're looking into it, possibly a legal situation here. Jordan Devlin, he's come out and tweeted that he completely denies the allegations. He's going to be uh, filing some legal things as well. Dave Lagana, noted uh, personality writer in the world of pro wrestling. He has been... Uh, let go from his position, David Starr. He was kind of the first big name that I really I found out about. He's been stripped of all of his major independent titles. And Progress Wrestling, a big indie company over in the UK, has completely fired, uh, dropped everything with David Starr and some other wrestlers. Uh, Jordan Devlin and some other wrestlers as well have been on uh, suspended. So some of them have been outright fired. Some of them are on suspension. And Matt Riddle is 
he, he is on SmackDown. This was a taped episode of SmackDown. So he's there. There isn't really anything WWE can do about it, but they took down all the advertisements for him and kind of, you know, obviously not making a big deal of the situation. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Matt Riddle going forward because he's one of those people that was really pushed hard. And now it comes out that these allegations have come forward and who knows what will happen to him. I mean, I, I, I read the DM from him and I read the DM up. I think that his wife wrote and that, you know, that, he, you know, the wife is backing Riddle. I mean, in some cases, you know, the, the significant others kind of are, are either a furious that this person's done it and they hate him or two, they back him fully and they support him. I, you know, part of me, I mean, this is the only one that I have that I, that I'm mixed with. I, I do support this person because, you know, she, she came forward and she, she had the, um, you know, the wherewithal to, to finally speak out against this. But I mean, from reading some stuff, it, it does seem a little, a little iffy. Um, I, I feel like that's why they probably didn't pull the SmackDown segment with Riddle because you know, I mean, because let's be honest, they could have pulled the segment if they felt like, you know, he was super guilty. Um, but then on the other hand, you have this in the can. Who, I mean, probably everybody's gone home and nobody's really at the helm to do anything about it. So what, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but also I see where WWE is coming from. It's like, we're not just going to scrap this segment and we have nothing else to do we have we can't put any other content out there so they, they were kind of put in an awkward situation well let's just hope that uh you know all i mean let's hope all this gets figured out in a timely manner and we don't have to you know keep getting breaking news about the next wrestler then the next wrestler the next one so it's only been about 24 hours since all this stuff has really been going down. And it, I'm really glad to see that these companies, WWE Progress, some of the other indie promotions are definitely taking a step and disciplining these wrestlers. And I, we're going to have to stay tuned to find out. Obviously, the Velveteen Dream situation kind of came and went. We haven't really heard anything really on that end of things. But we're going to take a hard left turn and still keep it fairly serious because a developmental wrestler, in WWE has tested positive for COVID-19 and this wrestler was in the crowd during some of the uh, WWE tapings. They canceled the raw taping that it was supposed to be for Tuesday. This news came out late Monday and Kevin Owens, who was supposed to be on the show, obviously elected to sit out, doesn't want to be a part of it. He has two young kids, which, wholeheartedly agree with support him but this was kind of what we were thinking that could happen if one person tests positive who knows how long it would take for other people to test positive and it wasn't a good look on wwe that the same time almost that a wrestler tests positive that you have the street profits going out into the crowd dancing with these people when the entire point of the plexiglass is to add even more separation from the crowd and the wrestlers So I don't know if anything happened, but I had to switch to a plug-in set because my headphones died. But um, so I totally missed everything you just said. And then saw we. 
you, you literally didn't hear anything what I said because I, I feel as though if I was talking a little about the Rona, you could have put two and two together. I literally didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything about the Rona. I, I, the last thing I heard was I said, uh, you know, uh, the next superstar and superstar, superstar after that. And then I like ran to the bedroom, got a new headset, and then I plugged in the headset and I put it in my ears and, it, and I heard you on my phone, but it was like hella faint. Yeah. Just continue on. Well, I already did the intro, Dominic. A developmental wrestler has tested positive for the Rona. Your thoughts and everything that's kind of swirled around this. Let's, but let, let's just say that Vince, as much as he wanted to uh, make things start, you know, clicking for WWE in the sense of fans and, and, inter- and being entertaining again and whatnot, it, it just goes to show to you, shows him, shows everyone that you can't uh, rush these things. Um, it will, it, this is never going to be a disease that's, that's, you know, eradicated. It will continue to be there. It's going to be like the common cold or the, the flu where every year it changes just a little bit. A hundred people, hundred million people will get sick. A hundred will die. And it's just something that we're going to live with for the rest of our lives. So he just needs to learn that, Hey, you got to take it slow for a time being, maybe for the next year or so you got to take it slow, but you know, this is just a wake up call for him. Okay, moving on. The Backlash recap, Dominic. Unfortunately, we were not able to be together to watch Backlash. It had the greatest wrestling match of all time. Maybe did not live up to that hype. They had all of the extracurricular activities surrounding it. We had the Ghost of Fink doing the introductions. We had the boosted crowd noise. We had the kind of awkward camera angles. We don't have to talk about Backlash in general. The show itself was kind of below average, but I think mostly what everyone's going to remember and talk about is this match between Randy Orton and Edge, which I thought was in a bubble, taking out all the bullshit of the crowd noises and everything, was actually a pretty good match. Yes, you probably could have cut off 10, 15 minutes of it because they went about 45, which way too long, especially with the no crowd. And they they worked really hard. They told a, a good story. I wasn't the biggest fan of them, you know, playing kid wrestler in their backyard using all the big superstars finishing moves, but I think it definitely was better than my pretty low expectations. Would you say three and a half stars? Sure. You know, you're, you're, you're not really giving, uh, you know, you know, you said that they went above your expectations. What were your expectations? I mean, what, how, how many stars is this, you know, considered, you know, Dominic, you what are your for- thoughts on the greatest wrestling match of all time? Well, I didn't get to see it because I was at work, Brandon. So how, was, how am I supposed to give you my thought and opinion on it? Well, it was on the script. I thought you'd just watch everything that was on the script. I don't, I don't just throw curveballs at you and just make you seem like an idiot for no reason. Well, I mean, you, you already hinted at it that, you know, like, oh, we didn't get to watch it together, you know? So it's like, okay, if I don't watch it with oh, you, Oh, so I'm you did listen to me it. on that one. Yeah, I, I told you I got, you know what, Brandon? I feel like you're being a little condescending right now. Well, I can just see that you were pushing off all my questions to ask me questions so I can keep talking and talk about backlash. Well, I mean, also I didn't watch it. Does that work? So, you know, give me a fucking break here. You know, maybe you'll know a thing or two when you get this job. Oh yeah. Def. Well, it's not a, it's not a job. It's an unpaid internship, which is basically uh, what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I call this an internship. It's a unpaid hobby. 
it's unpaid job. Let's be real here. Cause you know, when we make it big, you're gonna be rich and famous and you're gonna have me to think not the bullet cast. Exactly. So let's move on to raw, which Dominic definitely did watch. We got the follow-up to Randy Orton saying that he is the greatest wrestler of all time because he won the greatest wrestling match of all time. Christian comes out, they go back and forth Orton challenges Christian to an unsanctioned match. We get a, some backstage stuff with Ric Flair. Ric Flair comes out during the match, tries to talk Christian off the ledge, and then Rick takes Christian to Dick Punch City, and Orton gives him the punt, and Christian is dead. One, two, three. Orton's trying to console him and say that it's all his fault, but he's so sorry. Dominic, your thoughts on the uh, evolution, pun intended, of Orton right now, and with Edge out for the foreseeable future. Well, I mean, let, let's talk about first, you know, the first match Christian had, Christian's had in, let's see, he retired, what, about four or five years ago? So, I mean, you know, a little bit of ring rust. Um, for a second, when I saw this unfold, I was kind of like thinking like, oh, shit. You know, Daniel Bryan came back. Edge came back. Now Christian's coming back. I was like, sweet, this is going to be amazing. And then dick punch, punt, you know, one, two, three, done, whatever. It was kind of. Um, you know, a little upsetting in a way because I, I, I am a fan of Christian, but uh, I mean, I feel like this whole evolution, how you said pun intended um, of Randy Orton, it, it, it's kind of, we've seen it before. We've seen Randy go from the face to heel how many times. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I do feel, I do kind of like this one a little bit better. I just hope they don't bring Rick into it full time and kind of just have, you know what I mean? I don't really want Rick there ever again, in my opinion. Not not to say I don't like Ric Flair, but I feel like Randy's doing fine just with himself. I don't think Ric Flair should even be there to begin with, which with his poor health history and the pandemic going on, Ric Flair probably is the last person to be there. But if Rick sees an opportunity and is asked, he's going to ignore the doctor's orders and come do wrestling punch, punch someone in the dick exactly but I, I hope that they have some sort of follow-up with rick flair maybe get a heel promo i actually really enjoyed rick's uh, work that he did on raw i thought it was kind of short sweet he wasn't too over the top we didn't get crazy old man rick which can be fun in small spurts but i like serious heelish rick flair which i think is the best rick flair and obviously with the edge injury they kind of had to scramble a little bit. Maybe they were going to do probably not the exact same angle, but I think they're going to have some more follow-up with Edge. But having Christian there was a good substitution. And Dominic, just kind of your thoughts on Edge's injury and what this means for him and even Randy Orton going forward because maybe they're going to have another match. I hope they don't have another match. Not that I don't like watching their matches, but, I mean, let's be honest here that it's kind of like, long gone like just i mean i know they're one and one now but i don't need the tiebreaker match at SummerSlam. like let's be honest here let's you know sail on past this you know uh island do i think i i honestly don't know where where what happens with edge from here um there there's a few people i'd like to see him wrestle will that happen i don't know I mean, I would like to see him go against Seth, but, I mean, do you really think they want to use the curb stomp on Edge with his neck issues? I mean, not really. Um, I mean, I would like to see him go with AJ, 
just because, you know, you could use the angle that Edge put him on the sh- uh, try to put him on the shelf after he dislocated his shoulder or whatever it was at the Royal Rumble. Um, I mean, they're, they're, you know, Edge and Finn Balor be a good one. Edge and Johnny Gogano probably a good one. Alistair Black. Um, I, I, there, there's quite a few people I'd like to see Edge wrestle. Will it happen? Probably not because we'll probably end up getting him and Randy again. I think when Edge comes back, you tease – Another match with Orton, but I think you kind of have an angle where somebody else attacks Edge and you can kind of get him in that direction. I think Orton and McIntyre definitely are on a collision course course at SummerSlam, so that can be a lot of fun. Really enjoying what Randy Orton's been doing thus far, even though I've kind of buried him for the every episode. Well, not every episode, but every time we talk about him since we started this podcast. But let's is, it, move is on. it because of the knee slapping? Yeah, he, he, he slaps his knee way too much. He's a spot monkey. He should go to NXT and learn how to wrestle. But apparently people at NXT don't know how to wrestle, according to Randy Orton. Okay, moving on. Speaking of Drew McIntyre, him and R-Truth defeated Bobby Lashley and MVP in a winner-take-all double title match. R-Truth puts up the title, or puts up both titles. Drew doesn't really like it. They do some vignettes back and forth. But the real story that was going on on Raw was Bobby and Lana finally going at it, getting into a fight. Bobby Lashley asks for a divorce. So sad. Does this mean, does this mean there's a slight, slight chance we'll have a Rusev return? Well, if Rusev isn't with the company, I think it's kind of hard for him to, for him to return. Okay, I mean, a resi- like, you know, is this a, is this a way for them to, re- a good way for them to resign him and bring him back? You know what I mean? Like, okay, they get a divorce. Now, what happens? Of course, you need to bring Rusev back. So you resign him. So is this a way that, you know, maybe like a foreshadowing that they're going to resign him and bring him back, and then it'll be Lana and Rusev, and then Rusev will get the big title push that we've been wanting? Probably not. They did do a little teaser with Natalia and Lana, where both of them are kind of down on their luck, and maybe they are going to find each other, and Lana will manage Natty, and Natty will be a heel, and Lana will be a heel. The, the thing I don't really understand is, with the Bobby Lashley-Lana thing, is who are we supposed to be sympathetic for? Like, I understand Bobby is coming across kind of mean, but Lana hasn't really been super sympathetic. We've never really seen her on television for the past month or two, and then she just kind of comes out of nowhere, completely messes up the match. She came out for no reason at Backlash, so Bobby deserves to be angry, and in this feud or in this divorce, it kind of there's no at least in Rusev people like Rusev, and we don't really know who we're supposed to side on this. Do you think that they're the reason they're divorcing, so to speak, is because now they're gonna have a fucking four week program of them going through divorce divorce court or something? Probably. I mean, I feel as though they're like, okay, we're gonna have Lana and Rusev get divorced. We're gonna have Bobby Lashley be the new guy. But then after that, they didn't really think about what they were going to do with Bobby Lashley and Lana. I mean, let's just, let's just say that, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a way out of this. I mean, you could bring in another. No, that looks bad bringing another female in. I don't know. I really don't know what to do right now and what to think. MVP trying to expand his group. He tries to talk to Apollo Crews and Shelton Benjamin, trying to recruit them a little bit. Apollo Crews, I think, could be a good addition to MVP's little group that he's got going on. I think Crews is kind of similar to Lashley into where, I mean, I think Crews is obviously a better wrestler 
then Bobby Lashley doesn't have the size. His promos are fine. They're not really, you know, star making or whatever, but I would maybe see like to see maybe Apollo Crews turn heel. But I, I think I don't really I don't exactly know. You can go either way on it, but maybe Cruz and Lashley go at it because maybe Drew and Bobby Lashley is done with. Dominic, your thoughts on possibility of Apollo Crews and MVP. I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. I, I, they're both gifted wrestlers. Both have an amateur background. Um, granted, I think it might be a little too early for Cruz to be turning or at least joining a heel faction unless he's kind of – unless they can kind of play it off to where it's like he's like, like guilt-tripped into doing it or you know something along the lines of that. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I would enjoy it eventually. Maybe, you know, kind of add some depth depth to his character first before letting it happen but i mean i'm for it we got kevin owens defeating angel garza we continue on with zelina's boys having some dysfunction i mean kevin owens gets the win so i guess that's a good thing even though garza got the win initially so i mean it kind of looks as though they're going more in the way of garza taking on andrade maybe garza turning face but we kind of i mean we had uh, Austin Theory do the same thing, didn't turn face, but left the, the group. So kind of your thoughts on this match and mainly what's going on with Zelina's boys. I mean, first off, kudos to Kevin Owens. Finally, you know, I feel like he's starting to gain that momentum back after, you know, usually after WrestleMania, you're on a, you know, uh, especially a win at WrestleMania, you're kind of on an uphill journey. But after WrestleMania, he's been kind of, stagnant if not downhill so kudos to him he's trying to you know he's starting to slowly get back to it um what's going on with the boys i don't know um i got a feeling they're gonna kind of pin this all onto zelina and then this will be her downfall which i don't want to because i think she's an excellent on-air talent um do i think she can be a women's champion sure why not um i just hope to god it happens sooner than later i don't want them to you know, put her on the shelf and then never see her again. Cause I think she'd be, uh, you know, if they were to let her go, it'd be a very bad idea, but I don't know what's really going on at the moment. Seth Rollins comes out and he talks a little bit back and forth with Rey Mysterio. Dominic shows up and attacks Seth from behind Seth Rollins, buddy Murphy and Austin theory try to attack Dominic, but Dominic scurries away so continue on, just another little chapter. Ray's still on the sidelines, but his son is trying to stick up for the Mysterio name, as a Dominic should. I mean, let's be honest here. He's making other Dominics look like bitches by running away like a coward should stay there and fight. But, but he also does spell it differently than you, so you guys are different Dominics. But you spelled it like my name on the script. Well, I, I realized that after the fact, because I'm pretty sure he spells it with a K. Pretty sure he does too, but you know it's fine. You know that's I'm why I was so like, ingrained. When when did I attack Seth Rollins? I, I'm ingrained in spelling it the right way, just like the right way to spell Brandon is B R A N D O N. No E's or I's anywhere. You sure? Because I spell your name like that. Wow. Just like I call you Brian all the time. And how Mary and you call well mainly Mary, or the studio audience calls Tyler Travis while playing. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, oh. by the way, I forgot to mention this. Th- thank you for bringing it up. Um, while watching the 30 for 30, uh, a young Mark McGuire looks exactly like Tyler. I don't know if you noticed it. I did not. But you can bring you it up go- to him. 
when you should play. go back and watch the 30 for 30 again and look at when they, you know, I think it was when he was taking his baseball photos, you know, had a very similar face to Tyler. And then Mary said that, uh, um, you know, oh, he looks good for his age too. Maybe Tyler will look as good. I don't think it'll happen though. I would go back and watch it, but I deleted it because I'm probably never going to watch it again. But anyways, the Iconics defeat Liv Morgan and Natalia. Liv Morgan getting all those vignettes, getting a little bit of a push. She beats Ruby Riot and some other people, and then she's just out here to lose to the Iconics. The Iconics do some with Sasha and Bailey later on in the show. They are going to face off next week for the titles. I mean, it's the women's tag team division, Dominic. What, is, what more is there to say? I mean, you could, you know, actually give these females a chance and give them, you know, different opponents than just kind of randomly throwing together Liv Morgan and Natalia. But, you know, that's, I mean, I think it was an okay match. I mean, it, the Iconics were supposed to win because they came off the loss at the pay-per-view, so they have to come on strong on Raw. Um, do I think the Iconics will ever hold the titles again? I don't think so, at least anytime soon. Um, Liv Morgan, I thought she was getting pushed, you know, to become a champion some way or another, but it doesn't feel, I feel like this is going to lead towards a Natalia Liv Morgan feud, which will end up hurting Natalia because Liv Morgan will get the wins. And then finally, we got the Raw Women's Championship match. We got a rematch of Asuka and Nia Jax. We got the trifecta of shitty WWE finishes. We get a almost kind of DQ of Nia Jax pushing the referee. Then we get the kind of sneaky roll-up, and we also get a fast count. So if you love the shitty WWE finishes, this match is for you. Asuka continues to be champion. Would assume Nia's going to complain, file a grievance, and get another title match later on down the line. But let's be honest here. If she was to do that, they would just be like, uh, you almost killed like three superstars. So fuck you. You go to the back of the line. All right. So then let's move on to AEW Dynamite. We got the AEW tag team titles on the line. Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page defeat the Natural Nightmares, QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes. The match itself, I thought it was fine. I thought the question, the finish was never in doubt, especially with the Natural Nightmares kind of being a lower mid-card tag team. And the match itself was okay. We get Ali coming out for some reason because that's a thing with QT. And in the end, the champions retain. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, Brandon, but Ali looks exactly like the bunny. I don't know if you noticed it, but... Uh... You know, now that you, I wasn't thinking about it, but now that you mention it, I can I can kind of see where you're coming from. And we haven't Obviously. seen the bunny in a in a long time. Exactly. So uh, you know, stay tuned. There might be some more to this, but uh, I mean, natural nightmares. I'm not going to say they're a force to be reckoned with, but I could definitely see them if there is to be another tag team tournament to you know be a a sleeper pick, so to speak. You never know. I mean, QT Marshall got to get his shit in, so shout out to him. I mean, he, he can't do much, but what he can do, he, he's going to get it in. That, that's... Was, was that, was, was that, was that I a was, cue? I wasn't trying to do anything, and then I said it, and then you were just muted, and then you were just going to let that one sit, so... Yeah, I let it sit there because I want you to be shameful of what you just said. I'm sorry. Let's move on. We get a women's match, and we actually get some different women 
compared to the other four we normally see on Dynamite. We get Anna Jay. She gets a little bit of a vignette. She is kind of a, a ringleader. She has the top hat and she wants to be an entertainer and she wants to, you know, entertain people in the ring, which I kind of was like, Bleh. I hate. You. The reason you want to be a wrestler is to win matches and get money. But anyways, she was not the reason for the match, really. We got Abaddon, a weird zombie-like creature. I'm so happy you said her name and not and did not throw it to me because I would never have said Abaddon. You said Abaddon? <laughs> Probably or something way worse than that. Dominic, extra credit. What's her name? Abaddon? We we're looking for Abaddon. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, damn. But anyway, she gets the quick victory over Anna J. We get uh, Sheeta taking on Penelope Ford at Fighter Fest, so I would assume that Abaddon is going to get a few wins under her belt, and she'll probably be the next contender for that women's title. Sorry, I'm making notes on the on the thing. Um, I mean, I I like the fact that they're different, but to me, AEW still has not invested nearly enough into their female wrestlers as they did the male. So until they can, uh, in my opinion, produce the tops, uh, the next, I'm not going to, I'm saying this name just because, I mean, I feel like it's, it's one of those, uh, uh, you know, calling it, it, you know, if you get compared to this wrestler, it's a huge compliment, but if they don't produce the next Lita, another AJ Lee, um, if they don't have a Sasha Banks, a Bailey, um, a Becky Lynch, if they don't have any type of those type of, of female wrestlers to be coming up anytime soon, I don't feel like their women's division will last much longer. The match itself was nothing special. It was almost kind of a pseudo squash match. I've never seen any of uh, Abaddon's work before, so I can't exactly criticize or kind of say how good of a wrestler she actually is, but she's crazy over-the-top character which we thought maybe we're going to get with the cult that brandy was leading but luckily that thing got kiboshed real quick but it's it's two new talents i i anna jay she's she's okay i guess abaddon's different but as i said there wasn't really anything to really go off of this match moving on we get mjf defeating billy billy gun which you can't call him billy gun because wwe owns that name MJF gets the win with some sneaky underhanded tactics, getting the diamond ring from Wardlow, punches Billy in the face, and gets the one, two, three. Billy getting a lot of the offense in. Obviously, a deceptively big guy and MJF being an undersized heel. Match itself was kind of what you'd expect. MJF isn't the best worker in the world, and Billy was never the best worker in the world even 20 years ago. So, I mean, just the fact that Billy, to my opinion, got in the ring is uh... – um, a good a good sign. I think uh, the last time we saw him in the ring was ooh, what WrestleMania thirty five. I think. Well, actually, right? Dominic, he was in the Battle Royal at Double or Nothing that we were at, and he's wrestled in some other Battle Royals before. And I'm pretty sure he's wrestled on Dark. Okay, I'm gonna step away while I go uh, cry myself asleep because I. Totally forgot about that, and I was there for one of them. It's okay, Dominic. Then we got Britt Baker. She was in the Rolls Royce next to the commentator's table. She was passing some notes to Tony Schiavone to give her thoughts on some things. And then we get Big Swole abducting Britt Baker, taking the Rolls Royce, saying, you know, where to, doctor, playing off of the 
Undertaker skit with Stephanie. Thought that was a little too cute, a little BTE-esque. And then for some reason, there's a camera inside the golf cart, which I'm going to complain about at WWE. I'm going to complain about it when it's on AEW. Why the hell is there a random camera inside the, the cart when there's never been a camera there before or ever really established? But I, I digress. Mean, it could be for safety reasons. Maybe they have to do it nowadays. Never know. I'm not up to code on Florida golf cart regulations. So I'll play the fifth on that one. Well, I, I don't know anything, so I'm just going to leave it at that. It's okay, Dominic. It was more the same with Britt Baker. Kind of entertaining. Maybe a little bit too over the top. But, I mean, when you, you can't wrestle, you can't really do anything, you're in a walking boot and in a wheelchair. I think she's making the best of what she's got. Then, and, and not taking anything away, though, she is doing a fairly good job at sitting there doing nothing. Let's be honest. So she's almost like your one of your favorite wrestlers, Sting. Fuck you. Because the time Sting was the most over was when he just stood in the rafters, said nothing, and did nothing, and pointed a bat. But he is the icon, so you watch your mouth when you talk about him, mister. But Britt Baker is a role model and a doctor. Fuck her and fuck doctors. We here at Curveballs and Chair Shots appreciate all the frontline workers working during this global pandemic. Those views of Dominic Hobson do not reflect those of Curveballs and Chair Shots and anyone else affiliated with the podcast. Moving on. I am a frontline worker. I know what you're talking about. Hard work. You know, there's a poster in my, my manager's office. It's hard work heroes. So I'm a hero, mister. Cody defends his TNT title against Ricky Starks, a former television champion at NWA. That it was a good match, kind of similar to the Mark Quinn match that Cody had last week, where it was kind of one of those matches that wasn't spectacular by any means, but it's a different opponent. Cody kind of getting the decisive win. Ricky Starks signing with AEW, so I think a good solid mid-card addition to Dynamite. Wish they maybe would have some more bigger names, some more higher echelon talent to sign, but you, you never know. Maybe once the pandemic blows over, that we'll get some more signees. But another match for Cody, fine, but they are building towards the match with Jake Hager at Fighter Fest in a few weeks. Do you think Ricky Starks goes anywhere, or is he just going to be kind of that constant, um, you know, person in the middle? Do you, do you see him being a champion in, in, in uh, AEW? I have not really seen much of Ricky Starks. When I kind of looked at him, I was like, oh, he could kind of be like a babyface version of MJF or kind of like where MJF is now. I don't exactly, I think MJF could reach some higher, could reach that next level. He is kind of undersized. His work still isn't there yet. But I think Ricky is kind of in that same vein where right now, you know, mid, maybe upper mid card. But right now I don't see him really going anywhere past that. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't really know much of him until I saw this match. So, I mean, I, I kind of want to develop. I want to watch a few more matches of his before I develop an opinion. So, you know, but good start. We get the Young Bucks taking on a super bad squad, which is Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, who Jimmy Havoc was a part of one of those say something allegations. Not sec, not a sexual allegation, but he apparently punched a fan in the face. AEW has come out and said that he is basically on administrative leave and he's going to focus on his mental health and do some rehabilitation and AEW will 
look back at the situation and kind of see where they want to go from there after the fact, Dominic, anything you want to talk about that? Um, I, I, you know, as much as I, if this allegation is true, um, I, I do commend AEW for saying that we're going to go, we're going to follow up after he's a hundred percent through his rehabilitation. Um, I feel like WWE should maybe start taking that approach to be like, Hey, you know, the, the these accusations, allegations towards you. Um, let's you know before like Jack Gallagher. You know, I mean, I'm not not trying to justify it. You know, to to bring Jack Gallagher back, but I mean, they could have suspended him indefinitely, keep him keep him on the roster just so that if it does come out that hey, he is innocent, bring him back. Um, but um, I, I do commend AW for saying. He's gonna. We're gonna help him work on himself, and then when he comes back to us, we're then gonna take a look at everything. Back to the match itself. Young Bucks get the win. I very much enjoyed this match. I thought this was the best match of the show. Got a lot of shenanigans on the outside with Penelope Ford, Butcher Blade, and FTR. But I think overall, the work itself in the ring was really, really good. And they continued to build the slow burn of FTR and the Young Bucks. Butcher Blade attack them. FTR sort of comes out for the save. Everyone just kind of brawls. But overall, really enjoyed the match between these four gentlemen. Well, I mean, I just can't wait till Bucks and FTR happen. It's only a matter of time. Then we get a Taz and Cage promo, very similar to what they've been doing in the past. Taz talks for a majority of it. We actually got Cage and his input a little bit afterwards. Thought really, really good enjoying what Taz has been doing. I would like to see maybe Taz be that Bobby the Brain where he brings in kind of big guy after big guy for John Moxley to slay. And then John Moxley comes back with another promo later on in the show. So overall really been enjoying, especially what John Moxley and Taz have been doing to build up this match. I mean, I know I used to shit on it at the beginning of it, kind of, you know, not giving him a chance, but I do agree. I feel like, you know, you, you can bring, maybe not bring in, but you can pair somebody up with Taz and you can, you know, make them the, the, the bastard who wants to slay Moxley or something like that and just keep bringing in these monsters. And I mean, I, I think it's working for someone, you know, who was shitting on it. I, I have to, I'm kind of digging in now. Then we get Britt Baker found in a dumpster rebel apparently had to go to the bathroom. And when you're an assistant, you're not allowed to go to the bathroom and Britt Baker yells at her and she vows to get revenge on big swole. Anything you want to comment on Britt Baker in a dumpster? Not really. Well, in the main event, we got Best Friends taking on the Sex Gods for the number one contendership. Yes, Best Friends are still technically number one contenders, even though we've had like three AEW tag title matches since Double or Nothing. But Best Friends get the win with a little help from a cameraman who happened to be Orange Cassidy. Cassidy comes, uh, takes off the face mask and reveals himself, attacks Chris Jericho being super serious. He's I was actually trying for like a solid three minutes. And Cassidy gets one up on the champion. That was a, a perfect way to end the show. Different. Wish there was a crowd there. They probably would have been going crazy to see Orange Cassidy trying. I mean, this is probably the first time I've actually seen Cassidy like being legit angry, serious. Um, I, I love it. I, not, not taking, I know his gimmick is the laid back, chill, whatever, you know, whatever happens, happens type of character. But I mean, for him to actually, you know, go after Jericho. I mean, it was, it was really good. Um, I can't wait to see 
what happens at Firefest. I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's if if Cassie delivers as much fire that you know that he had on Dynamite, this match should steal the show. Very much intrigued to see how that match plan, plays out. Hopefully, maybe Orange Cassidy actually gets the dub on Chris Jericho. But this is why, Dominic, I was telling you, I love Orange Cassidy because I know, yes, he might be lazy and not do anything right now, but when it comes time for him to actually do something, he can get it done in the ring. I mean, I, I, I'm, I need to see this pay-per-view before I can agree with that statement because up until now, he has not really, you know, been able to get the job done, in my opinion. But we'll have to wait to see what happens when he goes 1v1 with Y2J. Then finally, we're going to wrap up by covering this week's NXT. We kick off with a tag team title match. Imperium takes on Brizongo. We get Imperium, the champions coming out first, and then we get Brizongo cosplaying Imperium. And the match itself, I mean, decent good work back and forth and then we get indus sheer the malcolm bivens tag team sort of getting involved and then we get danny birch and oni lorkin tr- making the save setting up a four-way dance probably so great more nxt multi-man multi-tag team matches i mean the match itself was decent um i don't I don't know if it's because I don't know much about the Bivens tag team. I'm not even going to try to say their names, but I don't know if it's if it's because I don't know much of them or if I feel like they're too green, but I feel like they they at the moment should not even be considered in this type of, you know, three-way dance. Well, they haven't really been doing much lately. They got the introduction a month or two ago and then they were off TV and then they just had a, like a squash match or two in the past few weeks. So, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. They're big, strong dudes, nothing impressive thus far in their squash matches, but the tag team division right now is a little lacking because how many undisputed era matches are we going to see in the tag team championships? I think undisputed era is doing fine without the titles, not really being in that picture, being more of a backup to Adam Cole right now. And I'm, I'm liking adding some extra, you know, some new tag teams. Cause even with, uh, Birch and Lorcan, we've seen them in a bunch of tag team title matches as well. I mean, not as much as Undisputed, but I mean, they're up there. But I don't, I, I guess, give me some time to to really fill out these guys. Before, I mean, I think a triple threat: Imperium, Brazongo, and and uh, oh my god, Danny Birch and Lorcan. Lurkin. Yes, thank you. Um, I think would be fine. I don't think you need the fourth team, but you know, I guess, you know, and Triple H knows better than me. A possible new tag team could be, I don't even know how to call it, surmising. That, that seems like a big word that kind of makes sense. Velveteen Dream has a interview with Tom Phillips. He talks a little bit about what he's going to be doing after losing the, ta- the title match against Adam Cole, which means he can't challenge for the title as long as Cole is champion. We get... What's what's the crazy dude's name with the with the the crazy eyes? Grimes? No. Crazy dude with the crazy eyes. Uh, crazy dude with the crazy the killer cross. No, Dominic. Dexter Ooh, Loomis talking. was the guy oh, I was trying to man. think of. Oh. He's lurking in the background, and he is a fantastic artiste. Apparently, now he draws a doodle 
of him and Velveteen Dream being tag team champions. Dream looks at it and says, as much as Loomis wants this to happen, Dream is a solo act, which means this is probably going to be a tag team sooner rather than later. It's going to be somewhere where Velveteen Dream needs a partner and wants a partner with him, except for Dexter, and then Dexter does it. And then they're going to click in all cylinders. It's going to be like a team hell no. And you're going to be check tag team champions for a while. Then we move on to a women's match. Wasn't even going to talk about this match really until I actually watched NXT and saw the finish. We get Aaliyah defeating Zia Lee. And if you like the finish with Asuka and Nia Jackson, you would love this finish because we get a vomit finish. Yes. Poor Robert Stone is down on his luck. Apparently, he's a very severe alcoholic. And he was pulled to ringside by Aaliyah. And he throws up on Zaya. Aaliyah with the shitty roll-up. And there you go. Five stars. Talk about coronavirus at its finest. Yes. Then we get a vignette of Timothy Thatcher showing some trainees of some catches catch can wrestling. Obviously, the Matt Riddle thing. It seems, though, maybe that was kind of a last-minute thing of the call-up, and so Thatcher kind of spinning his wheels a little bit, maybe waiting for Pete Dunne to arrive in NXT. But I think they're doing a solid job right now in kind of establishing Thatcher since he just kind of came out of nowhere with no introduction, and now you can introduce his character to the NXT audience. I mean, I, th- I think it was fine in my opinion. Um, I mean, I just like probably everyone else, I can't wait until Pete Dunne comes back because I think that could be a – Phenomenal feud, um, Thatcher being, you know, the type of grappler he is. I mean, it should it should you know work out fine. I don't know much about Thatcher still. Um, you know, coming from you, telling me all these things, um, I think uh, it should be fun to watch. Then we get some undisputed therapy. Poor Roderick Strong has been seeing Dexter Loomis in his dreams and seeing him all the time, and they go to the therapist who was. Kyle O'Reilly cosplaying as an old ginger therapist for some reason. And yeah, it was a very crazy over the top. I would want to say it was BTE-esque, but I think it was even more over the top and corny than BTE normally is. I don't want to say I liked it, but it was kind of entertaining for what it was. I'm not, hopefully they don't do this all the time, especially with this thing with Adam Cole being involved. It was super corny and over the top. And then just a few segments or like the next segment, even you get Adam Cole in this super serious conversation with Keith Lee and carrying cross and everything like that. So you can't really have your cake and eat it too with having Adam Cole being a comedy haha guy and then trying to sell a serious feud. I mean, first of all, I feel like um, it was very BTE. Um, but in my opinion, I think it is perfect to have Cole have that type of, you know, like goofy moment and then being able to turn on the serious mode and being like, look, I, I'm here. Don't fuck with me. I feel like it, it makes him it makes him more relatable to, to being this mega badass and then being able to be like, yeah, I can be goofy too, though. It's kind of like... Um, I'm just scared he doesn't turn into Kurt Angle where... Just because that's you can be funny, else. just because you can be funny, doesn't mean you should be funny. And granted, that's probably true. But I mean, but let, let, let's face it. I mean, if, if Adam Cole's always just a serious wrestler when it comes to those funny haha moments, when he gets because let's be honest, when he gets called up, because he will get called up, he's gonna 
have to do funny, stupid moments. Like I, when I mean funny, stupid, I mean just plain out like that's not funny. So basically, so, stupid moments. Yes, and let's let. I mean, we need to get him known to be in a that he can play that funny role. So then, when it comes down to it, they don't have to. It, you know, he can maybe. You know. You know, they'll give him his stupid idea, and he can be like, "Well, let's do it like this, make it a little more funnier." He can kind of play with it a little bit more. Then, in, I think the next segment, we get Adam Cole doing a promo backstage. Keith Lee interrupts. He has the, or Cole has the sand dial, which I think is the word we're looking for, Dominic. That we never actually had that we that we couldn't think of in the last uh, podcast. So a sand yes. dial. That yes. is what it's called. Uh, Keith Lee takes the sand dial, breaks it, and he challenges Cole. Winner take all. They this moves on to the uh, in the ring. Cole cuts a promo. He called Karrion Cross Killian Cross, which I thought was a fun little mix up there. This was a live tape, a live episode of NXT. We get Lee coming out. We get Finn Balor coming out. John Gargano comes out. William Regal on Zoom, shout out Zoom, shows up and makes a match of Keith Lee, Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano for the North American title. Winner then faces Adam Cole. Winner take all. So, in... Don't, don't like it. Why don't you like it, Dominic? I don't think there needs to be a winner take all. I think you should separate the North American title and the NXT title. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that there's going to actually be a finish, and in two weeks we're going to get a champ champ? No. Uh, I hope... Well, at least I hope not. I feel like... Um, there's there's enough talented male wrestlers that you can have the NX title, the NXT title, the North American title, and the tag titles. So I, I I hope that there's a run in. I mean, granted, Cross is not nowhere listed, so I feel like he's going to be the one that uh, is the one that runs in. But let's hope that he it, it turns out for the better. Excited for the possibility of these matches, but I'm not looking forward to the screwy finishes that are probably going to happen at the end of these matches. Uh, you know, Brandon, let me ask you, I mean, if, I see the studio audience has joined you. Yes. Um, that's, that, that's why, that, that's why I'm just distracted now. Um, where, where do you to go home? Isn't she? Yes. What? You say? What? what you say? He didn't say anything. He said, Oh, hi. Anyways, Brandon, let's go to Santa, Santos Escobar. Well, Santos Escobar does come out. He gets the Jeff Hardy treatment, says a few words, then gets cuts off by Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick comes out, yells at him, and then he just gets his shit absolutely obliterated. Gets, I, I can't even remember, but I think it was kind of like a one-wing angel through the table. And Drake Maverick's dead, and this seems as though this is going to be the Cruiserweight feud going forward. I, I mean... Uh, you said it. You pretty much hit it on the nose there. It gets a shit kicked in. I mean, let's. It was. I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this word just because I thought it was fair. It, I thought this whole thing was tremendous. Um, granted, I, I kind of hope they play play off an injury maybe out of it, and then you can kind of have Escobar being like, "Yeah, he's done. I'm the best." Something blah blah blah, and then he can, you know, make a run in, and then you know, eventually have Maverick as champion. Then in the main event, we had the women's tag team championships on the line. The champs, Bailey and Sasha Banks, defending against Dominic's girls, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. Shotzi 
almost getting the tap out victory on Sasha Banks using a cattle mutilation, which I was shocked that not only was that move used, but Mara actually said the words cattle mutilation, which yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wish Daniel Brown would bring that move back, but Bailey and Banks get the win in the end. Bailey, you know, we get a little bit of some stuff behind the scenes with the ref. Bailey tosses Sashi or Shotzi. Oh, sorry. Okay. Don't you, know, don't you know like a guy named Shot, 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 Sachi? Sachi, yes. Yes, I think that was also the name of one of my teachers back in the day. But anyways, okay. your girls lose. Bailey and Banks retain, and they will face the Iconic, which probably will not be as good of a match as this was. I mean, it's safe to say that Knox and Shotzi, very, very talented. Uh, just not their night. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and say, you know, I, I, I think Knox and Shotzi could, when they do get called up, could be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I don't think one of them, I don't see one of them being a, a singles title champ, a singles champion, but I do see both of them being tag champions. So I, I hope that uh, um, in the future, this, this does come true. Yeah. I wish the NXT women's tag team division was actually utilized a lot more because I feel as though NXT has the deepest women's tag team division compared to the other two main roster brands. But hopefully they can do a little bit more on the NXT side. They've had Asuka and Kairi Sane come down to NXT and have a good match. So they've only had two matches in NXT, but I think the, the two that they had definitely has shown that there's some prosper with possibly the NXT or the women's tag team championships being on NXT, maybe on a weekly basis. But that'll do it for us for today as the studio audience is breathing down Dominic's nose or neck. I mean, neck, I don't, I don't, neck I don't, is better than nose. I, I don't judge out here. We don't keep you, shame on the podcast. Do you want me to let her come on and let her uh, give her two minutes to review a new one? I mean, if the studio audience wants to cut a promo on me to end the podcast, she can go for it. All she you wants. Cut a, do you want to cut a promo? He hasn't said anything. Do you want to cut a promo? He said something about studio audience. I heard that. He did not. What did I definitely say? I don't know. She said she heard you say something about it. But. He, he has my studio audience meme in his mouth. Okay. Anywho, shout out Mr. X. Thank you once again for your questions. You know, he did state in the very first sentence was he does listen. And I, we know you, you listen. We just, I just wanted to poke some fun, but we appreciate it. We love you. Um, you know, if you guys want to hit us up, email curveballncs at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, curveballs and CS, Facebook, curveballs and chair shots. Um, I don't think we have anything going on in the future anytime soon because of the pandemic still everything closed sporting events closed for now um brandon i don't know if there's anything else to go over no that'll do it for us for today thank you very much for tuning in for my lovely and esteemed co-host dominic and my name is brandon tanguma this has been another episode of curveballs and chair shots goodbye and good night uh bye-bye <laughs>